Hello, and welcome to Enough Wicker, a podcast where we get so worked up that we have esophageal spasms over our favorite television show, The Golden Girls. I'm Lauren. And I'm Sarah. And today we're on the 40th episode in the series, Before and After. Ooh, 40th. (laughs) That's exciting. Lordy, lordy, where podcast is 40. (laughs) It is kind of a shame. It's kind of like a what kind of episode. There are no bad episodes of the Golden Girls. I'll say it right now. And I'll even say Empty Nest isn't bad. But I, I would just say <laughs> that this one is just like, uh, you know, there there are some fun parts for sure. But like from a, a through line of the emotional and the friendship standpoint, it just <laughs> makes no sense to me. Yeah. I mean, so from the very beginning, we it's going to be one of those episodes where we're completely suspending logic. Rose <laughs> is making... <laughs> a wedding cake for the neighbors and is offering to make a second wedding cake for so Blanche and Dorothy can eat the first one. Correct. What? <laughs> first of all, like Rose has no formal culinary skills. And I get that like you might get a neighbor to make a birthday cake or, you know, something if they're yeah. a confection if they're really good at baking. Like nobody's asking their neighbor to just like make them a wedding cake. <laughs> for free and uh, like what and not expect that there's going to be like some scandinavian flavors in there yeah nobody has that kind of those kind of supplies in their kitchen (laughs) oh my god yeah that's it's kind of ridiculous um it's uh yeah it's just a it's a bizarro feature anyway and i i do think it does work though with rose trying to do too many things like i get i get that through line i think that was like a good writerly call i i think it really makes sense for you know the rose character to just be doing too much and trying to overextend herself even if it is making neighbors and your roommates (laughs) duplicate wedding cakes (laughs) but i do i think it's interesting the idea we launch right into you know what they think is a heart attack and it's kind of funny i kind of wish they would cover the like female symptoms of a heart attack issue yeah it's you know that this is our second opportunity and still not <laughs> right exactly we talked about this with sophia's, sophia's <laughs> bubble um you know psa ladies like this is probably a really good chance to talk about this particularly in the 80s um because i think even we were taught all of the regular male symptoms of a heart attack i don't think i even know yeah um, it's, it's crazy <laughs> that we can't even talk about women's heart attacks like we're still like it's only the men um, actually, I, this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's worth including. Um, <laughs> I, Rosie O'Donnell had a heart attack, actually, and she spoke at a concert I went to for, like, uh, some LGBTQ cause, and she was a speaker, and she was talking about how, like, so the symptoms of a heart attack in a woman, obviously, they vary, but traditionally, it's, like, a little bit of a pain in your arm, and, like, heartburn, like, it's not always, like, it's not usually this like severe pain that like we see yeah. in the movies and stuff. So yeah, it's totally different. Everybody check out the Mayo Clinic's website. Just protect yourself because this show does not show you what it is. Also, nobody's <laughs> ever having a heart attack is the other thing about this. Like, Correct, right? It's just an esophageal <laughs> spasm as we discussed. <laughs> it's a hard word to say. Exactly, it is, it is. Um, also the dude uh, who's the doctor, I think he's the Dr. guy Jill. in like literally... <laughs> Isn't he literally the guy in the next episode whose wife has twins and yeah. leaves the baby? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Speaking of like going, you know, we talked last episode um, or, or previous episode before that of just like reusing um, different actors and actresses and stuff. And it's just really funny because you're just like, dude, it's it's the back to back. Yeah. 
no break at all. For that <laughs> no, guy. Exactly. But he sneaks in there. So we spotted him. Um, but yeah, I was thinking that actually, you know, obviously in the 80s when these were airing a week apart, you could do things like that, like leave plot, you know, like unresolved plot points and things like that. But even then, I feel like you would be like, where have I seen that actor before? <laughs> yeah. You know, like, you're not Correct. usually watching one in the, and one after the other like we are, but um, I still feel like that's a little bit pushing it. Like, he must have signed some contracts for two appearances, and they were like, let's get it over with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. He was only available that time for all the other work he was doing for television. <laughs> um, I really like the line of... Uh, talking about getting older you can't eat cream of wheat because it's too spicy yes i wrote that one i love that <laughs> it's pretty great having eaten cream of wheat before and whole wheat cream of wheat uh, at that it's just uh it just got a really visceral feeling when she said that <laughs> yeah sophia is so great in the hospital um in general because she she has that line and then she has the line about her canasta club gives this hospital's jello three stars yes. so funny it's great and it's you know she plays that role of the person um who obviously makes jokes and makes light of things um to bring the air and the spirit up like in terms of how people deal with grief and particularly hospital situations i mean it's a really really weird environment particularly when you're in limbo and you think that your friend had a heart attack and you don't know what it is and it's like i just really appreciate that they have her fill that role because it matches with her personality generally but is just really helpful and very familiar in sort of that hospital situation yeah and there is the exchange where Sophia kind of comes clean about the reason that she makes jokes which is is because she's obviously feeling the weight right. at the moment and I think that sometimes um you know it can be misinterpreted as like you don't care or you're not you know you're trying to make light of this really really heavy hard situation but it's often just the way that people cope with it I think I yeah. I think I personally do that a lot and sometimes yeah. it's sometimes you it is misplaced and you, you have to kind of dial yourself back but like you know, it's only ever just to, like, try to reduce the weight of the situation on everybody. Yeah, exactly. It's it's a it's a self-serving principle for how you cope, but also, yeah, the room, the air in the room, you know, need to breathe, you know. Um, but it's really, it's fascinating. And, you know, it's it's great. We learn pretty quickly that, like, Rose is okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And um, <laughs> I love the line, too, where, like, you thought you were an animated broom in Fantasia? <laughs> It's really great. And the knock about Grand Central, like Grand Central, but only cleaner. Um, yeah. It's really, it's really funny. And um, it, you know, it is, it, it does read true to life that you would feel a little bit more inspired. But what's really interesting is like, they already wrote the fact, like the reason she was in the hospital is because she was doing too much. Like, and then she comes out and is like, I'm going to eat life. I know. And you're like, but you were doing too much of life. Like, it's kind of a, an awkward it's not like it was Dorothy sitting on the couch, you know, moping about and she had some sort of health issue related to being depressed or not doing enough. And it's just funny because it's like Rose is doing too much and then she's like, I'm going to do more. It's just kind of it's a it's a funny like note to actually think about that. It doesn't really translate very well from in terms of the symptom to the disease, to the inspiration after your near death moment. Yeah. And actually to that point, I hadn't considered that before, but like, you're right. Like before she's baking, she's baking too much. She's doing too much. She's doing too much like charity work. And then after she's like partying all night on the beach with her new friend. So like you didn't get like, you couldn't make too many cakes woman. And now you're out like all night <laughs> eating life. It's like, 
<laughs> yeah, it's like I I really don't think that that was part of like the doctor's like you know prescription after you left the hospitals to like stay up all night. <laughs> it just seems very strange. Um, you know, we talk about this all the time of like the threats to move out, <laughs> of like how you would cope with like strife in your roommate situation. I think a lot of times in this in this show, it's really funny because I the the things to me or the scenarios to me that would actually spark a like, wow, maybe I have to move out conversation are not the ones that spark those move out conversations. But then the other things that do <laughs> are just like go <laughs> completely unnoticed. But it's funny with this one coming like kind of on the heels of Stan living with them temporarily. Um, and Rose and Blanche particularly having to put up with him being absolutely impossible to live with, which would be like a very serious roommate strife situation. <laughs> um, you know, Rose is just, she just decides, I, I have to move out, I guess. You know, like, it's it's really kind of hilarious of like how the Rose character in this show just doesn't really behave in the way that she normally would in terms of like thinking about her friendships, right? Especially since Rose is... You know, she she actually was the character and is the character, you know, that has, quote unquote, like the most to lose by losing these girls um, and her living situation. So it's just like it just cracks me up because it really just strikes kind of the wrong chord. Yeah, well, I do think that's definitely true. I feel like she is certainly the most protective of her relationships in a, in a self-destructive way. Um but she also has a temper and she also is very, I feel like she's very defensive sometimes. Like she doesn't take criticism that is actual criticism, constructive criticism, I would say uh, in, yeah. in, a, in a way that's helpful because like she doesn't care about, you know, you bashing St. Olaf stories again and again, but once you start trying to like tell her what to do, I feel like in this instance, she just like can't, like she's going to live with her new beach friends. Like, this is what she's doing. She had like, she had her steam shovel uncle tell her that this is what she needs to be doing. So like, here's what she's doing. Um, but the scene where they're all discussing her and Blanche says, I am a poet. Like, right. You know, right. Yeah, exactly. This, the exchange with Sophia is so funny. That scene is really, really great when it's the three of them, Sophia Blanche and Dorothy on the couch, like talking about, yeah. Rose eating life because Sophia is just so like out of it but she like chimes in with these like super snippy um kind of outlandish comments about like I ate life once not a bad cereal yeah you know? <laughs> it's really great doesn't she say something like can we get it again um <laughs> yeah it's, it's really great but yeah then oh, the, the goodbye scene oh my god so like Rose this is this is part of my thing where it's like this is just not striking the right notes for me where it's you know rose is wearing those like earrings and shirt sweater pants combo and pink <laughs> and it's just so funny that that's her quote-unquote wild look um but then the goodbye is insane it's just like yeah thanks for everything it's been great like <laughs> get out of here <laughs> there's so much about yeah she's just like okay see ya bye but yeah and i i was like okay maybe in this instance like she wants to like Dorothy and Blanche are just, like, fed up with calls all hours of the night and whatever. And and it's just, there's never any, like, intervention sort of, like, thing. Or there's never any, um, like, middle steps. It's like, we want right. you to stop doing this. And Rose is like, I'm just going to move out. <laughs> exactly. And then when she's actually physically moving, to your point, she's like, all right, well, see ya. Like, what? I know. 
And it's like I can I can buy the whole like you know Rose's temper falling off a cliff and then the decision is ultimate even as fu- as funny as that is but the goodbye is what rips me up I'm like no way there's no way it'd be that casual because I just I just think it's bad writing because I think Betty White handles it as well as she possibly can given the mind state that Rose is supposed to be in in that scene but I'm just like guys we could have had a little bit more heartbreak here I mean obviously we know it's all going to work out fine in the end but it is just really, really funny because um, it, it, you just move on, you know, from it being like, OK, whatever. I just I guess it's sort of like you just accept it as the viewer. Like, we know it's going to work out later. So this scene doesn't matter as much. Yeah. And they want to plant the seeds, I think, of like, well, not so much in this scene, I guess, with Rose, but Dorothy and Blanche both want her to stay, but won't say it because of this weird like pride thing. So right. it starts here. And then obviously the whole the other bizarre scene is when Dorothy and Blanche go to visit her and it's like (laughs) I mean we should talk about that like in more detail but that's such a weird scene it's like obviously it's tense which like again like props to the actresses for being able to create this like awkward tension for somebody who they've worked with for so long and have such great chemistry with but like no like they just come and see the place and then like that's it they're just like off this roses. it's so weird I mean, I have in my notes, like, at least four times, this one is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> like, I know, I wrote that too. I also, wrote in my notes, I bet this scene really gets Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. <laughs> and you know what? You're right. Um, well, my first question is, how is she living right on the beach? Like, where's the money, Kirsten? Okay? Yeah. You talked about the will. Like, you know, <laughs> you didn't even get the fucking earrings that you wanted. Um, anyway. <laughs> Kirsten. <laughs> Kirsten. Um, I also have, uh, I mean, I just, I thought that what's interesting is like, even in that like micro scene, as you said, they're just like, cool place. Okay, bye. Um, <laughs> Betty White is so good that like, even in this dumb scenario, I still felt a little heart pang, you know, like at mm-hmm. least, at least when she plays this very sad moment, it really felt like Rose, the character a lot. Like, and I, I was again, like, it's kind of like the writing is a little goofy, um but it's really really nice that like i you could still feel that emotion like she, again she, like you said they do so well with the way that this episode is framed and considering like that this has been going on for you know a full season and then some <laughs> we're halfway through the second season basically um it's really interesting that um they chose to have this episode now yeah and and you're i think the whole scenes with Rose and the other roommates, Stephanie and Liz, I think are their names. Like, Hi, it, Rhonda. <laughs> it really is sad because, like, they have no time for her at all. And and she's just, like, so thirsty for them. And it's like, <laughs> I don't know that the woman, it, you know, like, the person I picture in these scenarios is always, like, a woman over 60. But, like, I always have such a soft spot for, like, people who want friends and don't have them. Like, you know, right. even when they're, they've done that to themselves, like, I just, I do feel really bad that she wants to be these people's friends. And they, they're just so busy. <laughs> It's true. It's true. Well, and it's also a fun, it's actually kind of like an accidental fun um, display of the two types of roommates, right? They're the types that like, you're just like, we just pay bills and do our own thing. 
together. That's it. <laughs> it's not, there's no friendship. There's no family, that kind of thing. And, you know, I've had both types of roommates over the years and obviously prefer to have the ones where you're friends with, but it's, um, it's just, it's kind of funny and you're right. It's like, it's, even if you did it to yourself, it's like a very sad situation. Yeah. And, and they, um, it's fine if everybody's on the same page, right? Like what makes this yes, so exactly. sad is that like Rose wants to be their friend. I um, actually, this is a perfect time to shout out one of our favorite Twitter and Instagram accounts, um, the Golden Girls Obsession account, which creates amazing content all the time. Um, but in the summer, they put out this picture of like, it was a parody of the Republican National Convention key speakers. And um, <laughs> they had Stephanie featured as one of them, which I just thought was such a brilliant addition. Because like, there's obviously all the Golden Girls villains, like Frida Claxton and Barbara Thorndike, who are honestly probably on the B-list to speak the RNC. Um, but Stephanie was in there too. And I was like, yes, like she was awful. She lived on the beach. She had no interest, you know, like she was just this terrible, terrible character, but she's so minor that like, I never would think of her when I was listing the, you know, quote unquote, bad characters in the golden girls. So I just want to once again, celebrate the golden girls obsession accounts because it's so good. It, I mean, it was like, you're right. It's such a deep cut and she just she sucks. She yeah. really sucks. <laughs> Also, like, it, that's, I think that's also what makes it extra sad where Rose is really trying to vie for attention because you're like, you don't want to hang out with her, man, you know? She's going to make fun of your sweater with the goose on it as soon as you leave. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then there's that flight attendant um, who looks like Trudy a little yeah, bit. Yeah, she like, kind of does. the same one? It's no, it's not. just the same 80s haircut. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> same 80s white woman. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so, okay, so then that all happens they have that weird exchange um there's also the very weird bit of um, the doorman yeah like <laughs> rose like trying to like befriend the doorman um I, it's he... funny it's like something that i i didn't notice like uh, you know it's one of those things that happens so quickly and i think the part i noticed previously from you know watching this episode a bunch of times was the uh how quickly the front door slams <laughs> <laughs> it's like wait 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 are you like in the lobby is that the exit to your building they're already <laughs> they, gone they leave and she's like oh do they leave it's like yeah they left a while ago yeah <laughs> but anyway go ahead yeah Talk no, about... so there's like that whole little bit she calls the doorman and she's like i feel like this is where they got the idea for emptiness like she yes. has no one to talk to so she's looking for truly anyone who will befriend her <laughs> <laughs> at the moment i'm pretty heavily involved with 122 <laughs> I know it's so sad, but I did also think that was a good line for that weird, yeah. you know. <laughs> um, and wait, also back at um, Richmond Street, there's that weird exchange where Blanche gives Dorothy the edible underwear, <laughs> and Dorothy's like showing it to Sophia, and it's like, okay, so everything is normal on on Richmond Street. There's no nothing's different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she shows it to her like, oh, look at this. It is hilarious. Um, so I do, you know as wacky and however done weirdly and without regard to long-term character development as this episode is um i do enjoy this premise because it is like covering the broad topic of when you feel like you want something new and totally different right you feel like kind of stifled or stymied by like whatever current life you have now but like it turns out you didn't need to do something drastic and like completely upheave everything that you had. You, you just needed a little break, right? Or you needed some sort of a reset. And I think it's really interesting because not everybody is prone to this. And I would argue actually Rose Nyland is not prone to this, but <laughs> whatever. But I, I do feel like, you know, for certain people, I myself included, like a lot of times it does feel easier 
when you are in a rut to sort of make a completely dramatic clean break of some sort, which, you know, may or may not sort of ruin the timeline that you were on before. And, you know, you find yourself in this situation with sort of terrible new roommates trying to befriend them when you left a perfectly great life behind, you know, something that was actually real and deep. So I, I really like that idea that they explore here. And, you know, that's obviously where Rose comes to. It's just like, you know, you had this really traumatic experience and like, it does probably feel like you need to change everything, but you really didn't. You you needed to just sort of like find yourself a little bit more and maybe do a little bit of a change. And you you know, you're lucky that your roommates who were prideful to begin with um, (laughs) and wouldn't say anything that they didn't want, you know, that they wanted you back, that they sort of accept you back with open arms at the end. Absolutely. I think it's, it's like whenever you hear somebody going through, you know, who has just gone through a breakup, like, I feel like it's a particularly New York City thing to break up with somebody and be like, I'm leaving New York. I can't. (laughs) can't." And it's like, well, maybe just get a haircut, take a break. Like, seriously, you don't need to move out of the city, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, that's totally relatable. And I think you're right. Like, oftentimes, you find the biggest solution to a problem that will be fixed when you make this big giant leap, but like maybe you could just, yeah, step back and and take a little break. So that's what we have here. And to go back to how unceremonious it is when she says goodbye, also she just comes back? Like, where's the moving van? I don't understand. Also, she still has a key? Like, she's just standing in the kitchen when they're sitting there talking and is like, I'm back. No. All right. Okay. It's pretty great though. It's like, we, we feel a presence, but we're just going to pretend that it doesn't terrify us that there's an extra body in here. <laughs> but you know what? It works. It's all yeah. good. It's all good. It's fine. It's fine. That's great. Um, I'm so glad the girls are reunited. <laughs> Thank God. Exactly. Well, because we have to get ready for next time when we're discussing uh, abandoned infants and the celebrity of speed walking. <laughs> Bye-bye.